Hey, Sanctus Church, good morning. Welcome to Good Friday. As people living in the world and we as a local church, I think we're all starting to feel like we might possibly be nearing living through this long extended wild middle. All the things over the last 53 plus weeks, I'm just so much. But on this day and on this weekend, I have real genuine hope. And I'm actually quite encouraged, and I want to share that with you. Now, like I've preached before, unlike what so many people think, Jesus' death on Good Friday was not a mistake. It was not a political act. It was not the religious leaders getting their way on that day. It was not the kingdom of darkness overcoming the one that had created them and had introduced a stronger and more beautiful and newer kingdom. No, all those factors are real and are part of the story. But it's heaven's view, which is most significant for our reflection today and also even as we look at life. All the chaos of Good Friday was being used to accomplish the sovereign will of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who because of love decided to provide a way back to himself. Way, way before Jesus' unjust execution, Jesus said these words in John 10, 17, the reason why my Father loves me is I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord, and I have the authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. This isn't a mistake. This isn't cosmic child abuse. No, 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 no. I'm going to lay my life down, and then I'm coming back. Much later, under the shadow of the cross, really, as his death was so close, he even made a more audacious claim. It's the one we looked at last week. And again, like I shared in last week's sermon, he has not gone through the prayer of Gethsemane yet. He has not been rejected by his friends yet. He's not been rejected by the Jewish nation or the Roman world or all of us. He's not been beaten yet or he's not been pinned to a cross yet. And yet he says in John 16, 32, a time is coming, in fact, has come. And he says to his friends that you will scatter each to your own home. You will all leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone. My Father, He's with me. I've told you these things so that you will have peace. In this world, you're going to have lots of trouble, but take heart. I have, present tense, overcome the world. Think about what Jesus says. No one's taking my life. I lay it down. I'm coming back. I already have overcome the world. Well, the day called Good Friday was the day where these words were made into action now, the chronology of Good Friday is nothing more than a process of total loss and abandonment, which no one ever will experience at this level ever again. From friends, to the leaders that supposedly knew God, to the Jewish nation, to the Roman world, to the human race, all of us hear the phrase, behold the man, and we respond, knowingly or not, crucify. The so-called Good Friday event starts just after midnight. 1 a.m., Jesus is in prayer in Gethsemane, 1.30, he's, he's betrayed by Judas, one of his inner circle. Jesus is arrested. All his friends flee. 2 a.m., he's questioned at Anna's. And Peter denies knowing Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times, and actually gets so in intense, he curses Jesus and blasphemes Jesus. 3 a.m., there's an unofficial trial in the house of Caiaphas, the high priest, at 6 a.m., then there's a formal trial before the Jewish Supreme Court, what we call the Sanhedrin, and they give him the death sentence, but Jews at this time couldn't 
do that because they were under Roman rule. So at 6.30, they send him to Pilate, the Roman governor, and he interrogates Jesus. And then he sends him over to the supposed king of the Jews at 7 a.m., Herod, and Herod mocks Jesus. At 7.30, he's back, that is Jesus, back to Pilate, and Pilate gives into the pressure of the crowd and gives consent to execute Jesus. 8 a.m., Jesus is tortured, lashed, spit upon, hit, a crown of thorns pierces his brow. He's robed in a purple garment, physically mocking his claim that he's the king of the Jews. And at 9 a.m., the third hour, Jesus is nailed to a cross. Now, the day called Good Friday was awful, wicked, evil, unjust, torturous. But in the end, the truth of John 10 and the truth of John 16 is affirmed. And it's seen in Jesus' last words on the cross. We find them in John 19.30. Jesus just says, it is finished. What is finished? Well, see, the cry implies something was being accomplished, something was done that had been planned beforehand. This, as I've preached years before, was not a death gurgle. This was not all is lost. This is triumphant declaration. I love when one wrote years ago, it is finished, but it's not over. In other words, Jesus' work settles something, decides something, completes something. It cannot be contested. Think about it like this. The very worst thing that could ever happen in human history has now happened. So we can only go up from here. So what did Jesus accomplish when he said, it is finished? Years later, a guy named Paul wrote these words in Romans 3, 23. And again, if you're a seeker or a skeptic or belong to another faith, or you're checking out the Christian faith, or you're just coming back, listen closely. For all have sinned, every human, and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through redemption that came by Christ Jesus. See, if you accept what Jesus did on the cross on that Good Friday, God justifies you, gives you new legal standing, and makes you righteous right before Him. In other words, when God gives a person a new legal standing, it's like a judge saying, well, you're guilty, you've sinned, you've done all this stuff, but someone else is actually going to take your punishment and you get a forever new clean slate, which of course, that's exactly what Jesus was doing. And that's why he said it is finished. It's not my good works or my kindness or my religiosity that makes me okay with God. It's the forgiveness you find through Jesus. Not only that, Did you see the word redemption? Redemption is a word used 2,000 years ago to buy back out of a slave market. You're enslaved to sin and death and we can't get out. And he goes into the slave market and buys us back. He sets us free. A few verses later, it says this in Romans 3.25, God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of blood to be received by faith. This is connected to the Old Testament. Jesus becomes our scapegoat where all our sins are taken from us and placed on him. He also becomes our sacrifice before God through the shedding of his blood. And now it should be so obvious why none of us can actually be okay with God by what we do. It's actually what Jesus' best friend would write years later in 1 John 4, 10. And this is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son to be a wrath-absorbing propitiation for our sins. He takes the bullet. He pays off the mortgage we can never pay. But it wasn't just that. There's more. In Colossians 2.15, it says that having disarmed the powers and authorities, that's a reference to Satan, 
Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus overcomes all supernatural darkness at that moment. But more than that, he lets us know God personally again. He reconciles and restores an impossibly broken relationship. Listen to these words on this Good Friday. Colossians 2.20, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. See, when you encounter Jesus and then you face God, you're covered. He's our sacrifice. He's our scapegoat. He pardons us. He liberates us. He fills in the gap for us. He steps in for us. He stands for us. He pays the ransom for us. And he makes us friends. There, Jesus became the savior of the world, if people want him. And not only that, Jesus is the great warrior who overcomes all evil. He conquers death, which we're going to talk about on Easter, forgives sins and breaks the power of the devil. See, this is the gospel. This is the good news. This is why Jesus, even on Good Friday, could say it is finished. That's why we call it Good Friday. And by the way, if you are a person that is not embraced, Jesus personally accepted him as Savior, Leader, and Lord and asked for him to forgive your sins and take, take your stuff. You need to do this in faith, in form trust, declaring who he is, Savior, Leader, Lord, and asking him to apply all that he did in and on your life. Now, I know a ton of us today, whether we're watching online or in person, many of us are followers of Jesus. And I would like to focus on something that took place just before Easter, but just after Good Friday. See, we tend to forget that there is another day in this weekend, Saturday. It's what we call in the Christian calendar, by the way, Holy Saturday, or in the Orthodox tradition, the Great Sabbath. Have you ever thought about this before? Jesus rested from all his difficult work from Good Friday on Saturday and waited for the call of God the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit to physically bring him back to life on Sunday and begin the new revolution. On Saturday, Jesus trusted in the promises of God. On Saturday, there was hopeful expectation of what is to come because God does not lie. On Saturday, think about this, Jesus rested like God rested on the seventh day after creation. There's an old poem that goes like this, thou, uh, Today thou dost keep the seventh day holy, which thou hast blessed of old by resting from thy works. Thou bringest all things into being, and thou makest all things new, observing the Sabbath rest, my Savior, restoring strength. Now, I want you to notice the progress. Certain promise, number one, I lay down my life, I take it back up. I have overcome the world. Certainty, it is done. And then Good Friday, torture, death, murder, total loss. And then this call to trust and to rest. And then, of course, as we'll get to on Easter, the greatest God-given moment is about to take place. Now, let me end this Good Friday reflection with an exercise that I led our whole staff through about a month ago. And I would like you to, to pause wherever you are I'd love you to take out a device, iPad, a tablet, a phone, or a piece of paper, and I'd like you to write down these questions. I want you to ponder this over this Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday weekend. One, what promises had God given you or your family? And what promises had God given us as a church pre-COVID?
I mean, we've been very clear. We know the promises of God to Sanctus Church. They are wide, they are deep, and they are sure. But what did God promise to you? Write those down. Question two. In the last 60 weeks, be honest and reflect on what you thought died, or maybe did die. Which of those promises did you give up on? Which of those things you say, it's done, it's over, it's, it's done? I want you to think about this. Really dig into this. Because remember, God knew COVID was coming when he gave us all the promises. And maybe he gave you some promises. Three, what are you learning or what have you learned about rest and trusting in God's sovereignty and timing in this moment? In one way, you could call this whole year a Holy Saturday year. Four, what do you think Jesus is about to do in your life personally? And what do you think Jesus is about to do across Sanctus Church as we not only literally move from Holy Saturday to Easter Sunday morning, but we metaphorically move from a Holy Saturday moment to an Easter moment across our church? What do you think he's about to do? I mean, when God gave us his promises, does he lie? And here's the thing I really want you to think about. What are you praying into and preparing for as God is about to do a new thing across our church? Let me say that again. What are you doing to pray and prepare for the new thing God is about to do? Again, whether you're online or in person, uh, our hosts are about to lead us through a time of communion. But before we get to that, let's just simply pray this. One, thank you, Jesus that you died in our place. Two, for those who need to encounter you, reveal yourself, Jesus, and may they say yes. Three, over the next three days, would you, Holy Spirit, lead us, restore our faith, hear the promises of a God again, be honest about what we think died, teach us about sovereignty and trust, and prepare us for the new thing. And then four, we actually do pray you would do a profound new thing where we would move from Good Friday to Holy Saturday to a new resurrection moment where great profound life breaks out across our church and beyond again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.